All right. All right. Welcome to the Foul Housemates podcast, episode five. For the beautiful people at home, I am your humble host, Liam Wolf. Alongside every week is my good friend, my co-host, my comrade in arms, Mr. Daniel Caprio. Dan, how you've been? Hi, everybody. Thank you, Liam. And uh, I apologize to Angelo Gingerelli. Please know we did not forget your episode. I believe this is episode number six total. Yeah, no, we're it's it's a work in progress. It's going to be coming out of, probably eventually on a, a date to be announced. But our guest for this week, though, and I am very proud to have this man on the on the show. He is one half of the Colonel Mastodon Power Hour. He has hosted countless comedy shows throughout Jersey. He is run for uh, uh, student board of uh, board of education in uh, I'm trying to remember the township. <laughs> What, what township was it, Reggie? Uh, New, New Brunswick, man. Don't worry about New it. New Brunswick? All right. Uh, education, uh, Board of Education, New Brunswick. And he's, I believe, a diamond Pokemon trainer. Uh, rank <laughs> diamond Pokemon trainer. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, our good friend, Reggie Parker. Reggie, thank you for having uh, joining us this week. No, thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, I've been, no. I've been playing a lot of Pokemon during the quarantine, dude. Uh, <laughs> give, give us your team by any chance. Yeah, yeah. It, it needs work, actually. Like, I'm trying to fucking, like, the meta has changed again. Not, not that anyone gives a shit about this, but, uh, like, basically when the quarantine started, I got into uh, competitive Pokemon again. Like, I wasn't very good, and I got, like, okay. You know, I can, like, compete at Master Ball tier, stuff like that. My team, and, um, right now I've got a Grimmsnarl, Togekiss, Dragapult, Duraludon, um, I got a Snorlax and a Lapras, and I'm like, I'm trying to figure th- those two slots out. Like, I really just haven't figured out, like, team synergy, because, like, the meta has changed again. That, that sounds like a force to be reckoned with, to be honest. Sounds better than my team, which is just all first-generation fighting Pokemon. So it's yeah, just see, Hitmon see. Lee, Hitmon Champ. <laughs> oh, man, while, it's on my, while we're on this topic, I have to ask Reggie this. Reggie... Do you remember a game uh, that came out for, I believe, PlayStation 1? It was called Monster Rancher. It's kind of like an alternative to Pokemon. Do you remember that game? Yeah, yeah actually. So what you're talking about is the uh, the Monster Rancher series. So yes. at the time, po- Pokemon was popular. Uh, Digimon was, like, competing for that space, too. Technically preceded Pokemon, but not really. Um, mm-hmm. And then you had Monster Rancher, which is a shameless cash map. Uh, it was... <laughs> Just, it was way shittier. It was like way shittier. Um, the the anime wasn't great. Uh, the main character's name was Genki, which is like spirit in Japanese. It was just not a very good series. The main character was like a, a cyclops. It was like, how can you compete with a Pikachu, a detective Pikachu at that, with a cyclops? You didn't was like the fact that in Digimon, the... though. Um, I can't that comment on that. that. I, I, I would say Digimon probably for a minute there kind of like had it but then pokemon is just it's a far superior product Fair red point. you didn't like the you didn't like the game mechanic uh where you could put any of your audio cds in and those were the monsters that shit was cool man i mean that's revolutionary and that's the type of uh uh shameless corporate shit that nintendo would do now so it's like you know they don't i like a good idea and if, if putting cds like britney spears talks again is gonna make my my pokemon or whatever better like yeah i'm, I'm all for it yeah, I ruined some of my favorite CDs doing that. They they completely burned, and then we ended up <laughs> damaging our PlayStation. 
Wait, wait, wait. So the mechanic yeah. was you could just put in any audio CD and it would any, be a monster? Any CD that you have is some kind of monster. And some of them were really good, but you just never knew. What, you would just put in, like, Britney Spears and then get, like, a, a fucking, like... Uh, a Snorlax old... clone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's rough. Yeah. That's just unfortunate. I, I even, I'm even trying to remember, like, the theme song uh, for Monster Rancher. It's like... It goes something like... I'll, Travel to a faraway world, to a world where monsters rule. Monster ranchers, monsters rule. Something like that. It was, it was, it was like they really phoned it in, man. Like, like I know all my... like I have such fond memories of this game, and he's just like, now it's a piece of shit to begin. With. <laughs> <laughs> it was lame. No, the game was probably fun. The problem, the problem isn't the mechanics. It's the same thing with Digimon. It's like. The idea is actually strong. It's actually probably stronger than Pokemon, but like mm. you guys know how it is. It's just like uh, politics today. Like it's a popular girl, man. Pokemon was it. Pokemon yeah. still is. Yeah, you didn't have any Monster Rancher cards. None of that. Bro, the more complicated bro, I, the, the more complicated the source material, it's not gonna win out against something simpler. And people could yeah. get, oh, monster in ball fight each other, sure. As opposed to why is this Cyclops teaching me how to raise animal monsters? What is going <laughs> yeah. on? My, my mom hated that when we would watch Pokemon, she'd be like, Those monsters don't wanna be in there. They said let them go. I'm like, Mom, calm down. <laughs> my brother's getting a seizure from watching this. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, a big I mean, dad. Like, I think I think you totally nailed it, though, Liam. Like, uh, like Pokemon, it's pretty straightforward. It's literally rock paper scissors. I mean, it, you know, that's all it really is uh, to a certain level. And like, I mean, look, I, I'm like a decently smart guy, but like in a month, I was able to kind of like put up a fight. So it's like it's not that complicated. It's it's too ridiculous. All I know is both of them were way better than the fucking concept to Digimon. I'll just put that much out there. Oh boy, kids going into a digital world where they have to play the fucking mini game from Sonic Adventure with the Chow Garden. <laughs> that sounds fun. Oh, the Chow Garden, nice pull, bro. Oh, it's it's <laughs> it was the worst. It was the worst. That game is awful, and I especially hate the Chows. All of them. I hope they get genocided. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what you guys usually talk about. I feel like we're, we're completely off script. Oh, well, if, if you don't mind no, me. this is on, this is on this script. Is, <laughs> this is, uh, this is as, as on point as humanly possible. No. Um, unfortunately, uh, we, this was going to be a more lighthearted episode, but, um, due to current circumstances, uh, I can't really, we couldn't really talk about this podcast without bringing up the current protests that are going on. Uh, police being evil, militant, fascist, psychopaths, uh, everything beneath the blue sun. Um, just as like a quick hot take, because also included in this episode's description, I'm going to include a strategist article I found of 115 different foundations you can donate to. Whether it be Black Lives Matter donations, donations to the family, donations to people who have been arrested during these protests, no matter what, Go out, donate, support the cause as much as possible. But, um, Reggie, um, your thoughts, your hot take. Yeah, I mean, uh, trust me, my thoughts and hot takes are in high demand right now because of the, uh, the color of my skin. <laughs> but uh, um, here's my thing, dude. Like, it, all this shit was just there. Like, this is the whole feeling that's been just kind of in the air the whole time. 
but this is like a flashpoint, you know, like it, it wasn't just the George Floyd murder. It wasn't just like what we know about like Ahmaud Arbery or, you know, like a Tamir Rice, Brown Taylor, like all these names are just, you know, they're kind of like examples of the system failing us and really us all. I mean, specifically black people, but like it, it's a detriment to democracy writ large that we can't trust our political system or like law enforcement, military, all those things. So like you've got a society right now that's out of work more or less because of, of, of a government enforced shutdown. You've got, um, you've got poverty just being exacerbated, like transfer of wealth more so into the rich. And on top of that, just like state sanctioned murder more or less. And it seems this time that people are, are ready to kind of like engage and have this conversation. Like it's not just the Black Lives Matter groups that are out right now. It seems like allies of all types are getting activated. And uh, that's encouraging. But uh, at the same time too, this, this, the social media aspect of it kind of bums me out sometimes. Because yeah. It's just like, it's people that like, I guess better late than never. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, that clap chasing is still there. And then like, it just, I don't know. It's like, uh, you, you gotta show, you know, like, uh, Jerry Maguire style, show me the money. Like, I, I don't believe you until I believe you. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Like there've been plenty of, um, like folks from Antifa to like just normal everyday white allies going out there doing their best. There's been plenty of, of members of the black lives matter community and many people of the African American community fighting for this and doing their greatest. And then I see on Twitter occasionally, like you probably have seen the Chelsea Clinton thing. Have you seen the Chelsea Clinton post? I haven't actually where she basically uses, uh, the protest as a photo op. Like she oh. holds up a sign, gets a publicist to wave them down and take a photo of her holding up a Black Lives Matter photo just to get that clout. So wow. it's a it's such fucking that shit agitates the shit out of me on the same level as like the fucking troglodytes who are posting up those police solidarity propaganda posts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that that's the thing. It's like. I don't know. Like, that's the other part of it, too, is that this is, like I mentioned, it's a flashpoint, but, like, the, the reality is you're really only going to see change if this type of behavior, which is just, like, just not standing for, again, state-sanctioned murder. Like, people have to keep that energy, as it were. And, like, like I said, Chelsea Clinton with the signage, that's one. I saw another example of, like, uh, and, again, you never know because, like, where all this social media stuff comes from anyway, because, like, propaganda all over the place but like i saw one where someone's holding up a black lives matter sign it's clearly photoshopped and then like they show the shadow on the ground like she's not holding a sign at all it's just like this you know it's the flavor of the month right now and i'm hoping that this is actually a movement that's gonna sustain and like we'll be able to actually like start making some real changes I honestly hope so, too. I mean, Michigan just put out there that they're going to be defunding their, uh, their, uh, not Michigan, uh, fucking, um, Minnesota, like Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota. Minnesota is going to be defoting their police force and putting $150 million back into the black community, which I think is the best thing right now. The best option defund the money from the police and put it back into the communities that the police have harmed and hurt. And I think if more states go out and do that, we would be in a better situation entirely right now. 
Um, yeah. And that's the great first steps, honestly. Yeah, I mean, to your point, like, this is a, this is kind of reactionary, right? Like, this is looking at the, uh, the symptoms to an extent and not, like, the root cause. So, like, yeah, defunding the police, that, that's a good first step in putting money back into these communities because what you can't have are entire groups of people feeling like they're not included in, you know, our social experiment. You can't have entire groups of people that are over years, I mean, decades, centuries of racism, like pushing the communities that uh, don't have the same resources, that literally don't have the same value. So there's not like this transfer of wealth across generations. In fact, you're getting less as we get like farther along. It's just one of those things where putting that money back into the community, lifting the community up is actually going to cost us a fuck less money <laughs> if, if we just did that. You know, like no one wants to put money back into like uh, entitlements and social services because of racism and all that stuff. But the reality is like, if you lift up, you know, it's uh, the tide in the boats nonsense analogy that doesn't really fit all the time. But like, you got, you got to keep communities uh, engaged, educated. And I think we're going to avoid a lot less problems if people think they actually have a stake in this American dream. I, th- I couldn't even say it better myself, honestly. I can't even say it better myself. Uh, that was the majority of my talking points that I wrote down. Um, although there was some lighthearted stuff going on in the protests. Like, you've probably seen, did you see the Elmo dancer by any chance? That, that was a fun one. <laughs> that was great. There was the guy on the horse, which was lit. Uh, the one I just found out today which I think is the most hysterical is uh, during one of the New York city protests, people hijacked the radio for the New York city uh, police stations and played breaking the law by Judas priest over the radio stations. That's awesome, man. Like that, that's the type of shit I like to see. Cause I think we're falling back into like these weird media narratives. It's like, you know, you're on social media, it's like, but the looters. I'm like, what about the, you know, who gives a fuck? Like, obviously, I don't know, looting bad, but like, so is state-sanctioned murder. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, like this moral relativism is just so obnoxious. And the reality is, like, the things that you're pointing out is the overwhelming majority of those people that are getting creative, nonviolent, and like, again, you know, you can point to the current administration and all that, but like, the reality is that like, these institutions are failing us and it's okay to push back and not give them legitimacy. Like, you know, all these people say, Oh, what are you going to do if you, uh, if you can't call the cops? It's like, well, every time I've called the cops for a problem, like they don't even file a report. You know, they come to my house and say, well, there's not actively crime happening. We're not going to do anything. And they just go about their way. So it's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Take the budget down. They're not doing shit anyway. You got you got to you got to cut their knees out cuz if you if you try to put some sort of like easy like prosecuting one police officer and then having them go to trial is one thing but known through history they'll get off because of the justice system because the justice system benefits these these pieces of shit going around flexing their arms saying that they're doing their right and they're justifying this 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 warrior bullshit mindset, which is a whole other talking point, the whole warrior training nonsense. But unless government, and by that I mean 
uh, mayors, legislators, congressmen get out there and say, we cannot let these people continue to run roughshod and murder American citizens. We're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you can look at, you can look how it starts. Like again, like another example is that guy in Buffalo, New York. So, you know, obviously the guy didn't trip, you know, which was the official record. Like you can see it with your own eyes. And now like they're already running their kind of like counter narrative, which is saying, oh, he's an instigator and an agitator. It's like, even if that is true, that doesn't condone two fucking goons. And honestly, by, by definition, everyone involved with like literally like pushing over the elderly, <laughs> causing bodily damage and then saying that it's in the name of protecting and serving the citizenry. It's, it's like, it's a judge dread effect. Why are these people judge, jury, and executioner, and why are we giving them so much benefit of the doubt? When, honestly, when you look at a majority of the policing that you and I are used to as citizens, I mean, what, what are you talking about? Policing how your your car, like how quickly it's going, or, you know, if you're following traffic laws, and ignoring pretty much anything else of real consequence in the community. Exactly. <laughs> Especially so noting, you're, too, you're with that... You're bu- making a fucking basketball court. <laughs> Yeah, especially <laughs> noting on that Buffalo's uh, cop situation, literally the day after that, those officers got reprimanded, 54 of their fellow officers quit that fucking special force ops in protest of the police force giving fucking punishment for that egregious act of, of fucking excessive force. Of course. Which just shows this fucking frat boy, bro, hard dickhead mindset to most of these fucking guys who are usually just failed Marine guys who want to flex hard. But reality is that they just go around giving traffic tickets to people and they want to wave around their gun thinking that they're hot shit. It's, I mean, I mean, like, uh, I know, like, you guys probably keep it a little bit more lighthearted than it's usually, but like, Think, think about it like this, like um, for all the people that are arguing for, uh, well, you can't defund the police and all that stuff. And um, it's an instrument uh, like it's like taxes to an extent. Let me let me get into like now territory, like a sales tax or something in the state disproportionately affects the poor. Policing is the same thing. Like it dis- disproportionately affects the poor. Like if, if you have money in a bank account, you can afford to go to court, you can afford tickets, you can kind of stay on the right side of the law even while breaking the law. Whereas, like, your average person, if you take, like, the single mother or someone that, like, can barely get to work or, like, barely pay their bills month to month, and you put them in a cycle where they literally have to, like, pay a ransom to the state to not be considered a criminal, like, how, how is that, like, an institution that we need to continue to protect? I mean the police have to prove themselves to be a, an actual, like, functioning, useful part of our society for us to give them the respect that they're demanding from us. It's that same thing, like you said, it's that bro culture, waving the flat, uh, wrapping the flag bullshit. It's like, look, I'm sure there's plenty of great shit that, you know, the military does. There's plenty of, I guess, great shit that the police can do. But, like, if the reality is, is this is how you meet the moment, by pushing old guys in the street, tear gassing your own people. It's like, we're hypocrites. We can't, we can't do this shit and then look at China and like the Hong Kong protests and say, it's out of order. Like we're out of order. We're clearly out of order. We have a president who's basically saying from his bunker that like, he's going to crack heads 
across all 50 states. It's like, well, that ceases to be a democracy when you basically take your entire population and call it an insurrection. Like, an inter- insurrection against what? You know, if you do the math, it's not a great equation. It's it's harmful. The mindset's harmful to society, to to the communities that they affect. It's harmful to so many fucking aspects. And the fact that so many of these guys, it, it boils down to a mixture of a majority of it being racism, uh, an idea of sort of fucking militarized fetishism within the force. And uh, what I've been doing research on recently was this idea of warrior training. Uh, Reggie, I'm not sure if you've heard up or listened up on anything about warrior training. Um, Have you heard about it or the guy Dave Grossman by any chance? I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, I mean, just kind of based off the context clues, I can already kind of like, kind of like infer what you're, what you're getting at. And like, you're seeing those tactics in the streets. These guys acting like they're fucking, Leonidas and 300 behind the little shields, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of that. It's this guy, Dave Grossman. Uh, he's gone on record on a multitude of times. He's worked for Caliber Press. He does speeches all across to various departments all across all 50 states. And ostensibly, the ideas behind these warrior training segments is to not think of the police as men to protect and serve the people, but to view the uniform and view themselves as like warriors above everyone else and prep for the day that society turns on them so that they can go around and kill. It basically sets in this mindset within cops to always be hostile a hundred percent of the time because you don't know where danger is going to come from and how dangerous a situation can escalate. So instead of de-escalation, it teaches escalation towards excessive force with justification, which is some of the most unethical bullshit for people who have uh, military-grade weapons and military-grade armor and tanks on their side to be taught in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, I think that we we have a huge problem in this country that, like, we, we fall into our sort of narratives, you know, troops, cops, good, uh, you know, American, patriot, like, it, it's just a kind of ridiculous mindset, and we, we make these, like, weird straw man arguments in society that, like, well, if you get rid of cops, then what? And it's like, well, like, I don't know, like, the society writ large is more or less morally policing itself. I mean, they're, they're like, not to sound extreme or anything like that, there's really not that many cops, you know? And it's like the idea that like our society would cease to function without law enforcement as we know it today. It's it's a fallacy. You can point to so many examples across the world of of police that aren't militarized and societies that function. And it's just like to your point, like this this crazy warrior culture is like if if everything was a nail and you're the hammer, that's all you're gonna do is you're gonna hammer. And the reality is our society doesn't work like that. These are the common people, this is just guys like me and you. We're not problems, you know. And for for basically this like outside force, because a lot of these police aren't even in those communities, they, they work outside of them to come in and try to like basically beat down the citizenship to like comply is a ridiculous way to continue to like run police forces. Like I, I think you're I think you're making a good point. It's pretty strong, honestly. Um 
so I think just closing out on that front, um, Black Lives Matter. Monster Rancher. Monster Rancher. Monster Rancher. Yes, right. Monster Ranchers matter. <laughs> uh, Pokemon <laughs> trainers matter. Um, uh, you, you know, it's funny to kind of bring, bring a little bit of levity back into this shit. Like, uh, I don't know about you guys, but like when I when I heard like the uh, Amanda Cooper story with the the Black Bird Watcher and stuff like that. Yeah. Like. <laughs> My instinct was like, really? Like, the bird-watching dude? Like, the least threatened dude in the mall. That's why I do all this goofy shit. Like, the Pokemon and the fucking anime shirts. Are like, if you kill me, it's going to be a problem, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was be like, that's the most peaceful guy I know. Me, you know uh, they'll me they'll find like, something. Oh, Re- Re- no, exactly. Reggie Partner Junior Year tripped somebody down a flight of stairs by accident. He was a troublemaker. <laughs> I told them they're going to find one picture of me at the do-rag. I don't know if I have one, but I must somewhere. It's in the archives. It's so, in the archives. That's they, the photo they, they're going to use. They they crack open uh, uh, Alexander's library, and they just, like, go through, where can we find? Ah, <laughs> uh, man. But, yeah, so, yeah. Man. Uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, any it's final tough. thoughts? Right? Solve it. No, I'm, I'm put it this way. It's a tough, tough subject. I don't know if we're going to solve it, but I think these conversations are important. I think that uh, we kind of need to go back to a place. Well, I say go back. I don't know if we ever work, but we need to get to a place where we can have differences of opinions and just be able to like air them out without like basically trying to nuke each other. <laughs> I think that'd be cool. Um, and, I, and I think that people need to just kind of like check themselves in a way that the people that do this aren't really going to do it. Unfortunately, but, like this rush to try to defend these institutions that are failing us all, it's kind of like sick to see, and I wish people would do better. So that's that's what I have on the subject. That's fantastic. So Dan, yes. <laughs> any 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 uh, any thoughts? Anything? Are you just stirring the sauce? What's going on, Dan? I <laughs> didn't stir the sauce yet. No, I don't think Reggie uh, heard what we were talking about. Yes, Reggie, I have live sauce on the stove. So at some point, I'm going to go down there and, and stir it live on the podcast. And Liam <laughs> thought that was a bad idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, I really hope you don't. It's going to be muted your whole feed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Dan, what do you got on your itinerary? I wanted to ask, because Reggie, we brought this up uh, recently on a different podcast episode, we were talking about when you and Dan Farley put on the show uh, in, in a theater and you had it sponsored by a beer company. I wanted to know how you got that whole thing together because, I mean, I remember that I remember the show and I couldn't be there and I felt bad because it was it was really well attended and it looked awesome like to see pictures of it. But I didn't know like what, what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you that story because it, it's still our greatest accomplishment and we need to reach those heights again. So, uh I guess it's lucky I didn't win that school board election because I can speak freely about things like this now. That happened already. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. No, 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 boys. Let me let me tell you something. Uh, that experience, by the way, the running for school board was a great experience. Look, I basically the coronavirus shut everything down. I couldn't campaign. I, I basically oh. wore my fucking. I basically wore my pajamas and got a third of the vote in New Brunswick. So uh, they really don't want to see me like giving it my best shot because I think uh, I, I'm a force to be reckoned with. But uh, okay. also, I think that just because you run for office doesn't mean you shouldn't tell fun stories. So Dana Farley is is an enigma to me sometimes. He's, he's like one of the most interesting guys I know. He's like a complete chaos agent, but like he, he <laughs> pulls shit together just enough. So he called me one day. 
I'm in Maryland, and he's like, yo, bro, I booked this theater. Uh, it's like 300 theater. Like, we're going to do all this shit. And, like, my brain started going. I'm like, holy fuck. Because, like, at this point, I'm only, like, about three years in the comedy, probably, maybe three or four. So I'm saying to myself, what the fuck? How are we going to do this? And I um, I immediately, like, because there was a cost to the theater, too. So the first thing I did was, like, I got to find a sponsor. I don't even know where the thought came from. And I basically got, like, a vape shop to, like, pony up a third of the money. And, like, I pitched it, like, complete salesmanship. I pitched him on this whole idea. So, uh... Can we give the vape shop on. a shout-out? Can, can we, uh, yeah, no, say who they are? Exist. Yeah, it was Are You Vaping? Are You Vaping, which... You, oh, you know, them, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they had a spot off at Easton Ave, uh, like, across yeah. from, uh, Amsterdam, yeah. Um, great guys. I mean, like, literally, like, put up a third of the money to rent the theater, basically, which took a lot of pressure off of me and Dan. So, you know, like, like I said, even in my, my strangest times, I'm always thinking like kind of business. And uh, one day we went to brunch on like a Saturday, just like fuck around. And I started talking to these like kind of like bro fratty dudes for some reason, like me and my buddy Andy. And like we went over to like, uh, for some reason we had like that dude bro energy. And we like ended up like hanging out with this like frat. And like school's not even a session. It's the summer. Nobody's around. It's just like me and like this, this, like weird frat and like hell yeah drinking mimosas (laughs) yeah for some reason we're wearing burger king kids crowns uh oh so some of them may have been doing cocaine um (laughs) ah like boys oh good saturday gentlemen (laughs) gentlemanly saturday (laughs) so so then like you know after the festivities there it's still brunch time this is the middle of the day um i started leaving there's like some legacy frat members like old guys that like were in town and i'm like doing my bullshit pitch and like oh we're gonna do the show and all this shit so then we end up at uh stuff your face and i'm, I'm feeling pretty good at this point throughout the day and i'm still just kind of like talking to anybody that listen we're, we're doing a comedy show it's gonna be great and this guy from river horse overhears us and he's oh, like oh yeah hey. he's like hey like we'd like to like sponsor your shit and basically his pitch was they got all those beers that they can't sell. Like, you don't, like, fill the, the bottle enough or if, like, something's off. It's still good beer, but they can't sell it. So they basically gave us, like, the misfit beers. I've had a yeah. bad batch of River Horse. I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, basically just my incoherent rambling to a bunch of people ended up getting, like, all these weird, like, sponsorships to, like, manifest. So, like, day of the show... Uh, we put like ten comics on. We got we had like two hundred and twenty five people. Yeah, attend this fucking show. We had like thirteen cases of like River Horse, like seven percent to like nine percent booze. So everybody was fucking hammered. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, the vape shop was there. And it's like it's like grandmas and like other people attending the show. And like by the end of it, because I'm hosting it, and like I like to celebrate early, so I had a bottle of JMO. I had champagne. I was sharing with the uh, with the other comics. So I'm bringing up like nine people, 10 people throughout the show. And by the end of the night, I sit down stage right, which is to the left. Um, and like Dan does his set. I'm passed out behind the stage. Dan just closed <laughs> the, out host. The, the host is yeah, I'm, the host. I'm, I'm like incapacitated. <laughs> Dan closed out the show, wakes me up. We pay all the comics and like, yeah, it was, it was a great time, man. On the flip side, Dan Farley passed out on a show he was supposed to headline in my basement at the Laughing Hotel. So that came full circle that night. Full, full circle. Well, well, really full circle is that theater, the Forum Theater in Metuchen. 
Dan tried to do this again recently, like uh, oh. maybe like uh, November last year. You hear about this? No, I, it, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. I can't remember that. So, so I'm I'm in Oregon, like I'm going to see my in laws, and Dan calls me. He's like, "Yo, we're getting we're getting the band back together. We're doing the theater again." And I'm like, "Shit, yeah, we're gonna do it even bigger than the last time." So this is the, the same theater went, that you. This is the same, same theater, theater, right? Talking, okay. He's at, he's at Haley's Pub talking to the owner, who was like, "Yeah, let's do it again." Like everyone made money. So uh, by the time I land, it, it's off. And basically what happens, Dan was like, Dan was in like a brownout or a blackout. Oh, he no. He called, called the owner a dickhead. Oh, uh, <laughs> God, no. And when he messaged the guy the next day, he was like, so like, how, how are we going to do this? He's like, uh, I don't know if you remember Dan, but uh, this isn't going to happen. He like called me a dickhead. For like three hours. Wait, Paul, we didn't so, remember doing any of that. No, no. He's, he's trying to just break bread the next day. He's like, wait, what? Yeah, but, but like, and, and like that—that's the, that, that's the dynamic. Like, uh, to be honest, like even though I'm the more kind of clean-cut, sort of business-oriented one, he's got right. that like crazy. I can do anything attitude, and like I, yeah. that combination is like really good. Except when it's not. <laughs> it's really good when you're not it when you're not in the room. Maybe not. But <laughs> now, Reg, yeah. Reg, when when you put it on initially, were you guys still doing at the time? Were you still doing shows at Haley's? Because that's that's technically where you you and Dan got the Colonel Mastodon thing started. Was it at Haley's on uh, in New Brunswick? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, that's not a long story. I mean, guys, you want me to tell all the war stories? I will. Uh, so <laughs> when so I I started comedy in DC. And I moved here, like, after some time. Like, I lived in D.C. for a little bit, moved to Portland for a couple of months, and basically more or less borderline homeless because I, like, packed up everything and just went out there. Uh, that little experiment didn't really work. So I ended up, like, moving back home for a little bit. Then I ended up working in Jersey. And I went to the Stress Factory, and I saw Dan, like, hosting the mic there uh, a couple times. And, like, I was like, yo, this guy's really solid. Like, he's really polished. And I was just getting back into comedy. And uh, this kid, Sean Barron, who I, kn I know Caprio probably knows. Uh, Hell yeah, man. He's over Japan. Sean yeah. This kid, Sean Barron, reached out to me um, and was like, hey, dude, do you want to do a show? And I was like, I like I like the idea of doing a show, but like me and you are really not equipped for it. I said, like, we're really not that, that polished yet. So I want to bring on somebody. And like, I reached out to Dan because I, I knew he could perform um, and like at least host the show. So I approached him. He's like, yeah, shit, 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 we'll do it. And, like, me and Dan's friendship really took off out of that. Like, him and Sean didn't didn't mix very well. Yeah, he beat, uh, he put Sean Barron in the uh, coma ward of the uh, the hospital. That was a scary uh, that was a scary couple nights. Yeah, really? I didn't even know that. No, nah, he didn't do that. God damn okay. it. <laughs> Dan. Dan's come close with, with a few people. He came close with Sean one night. I do remember that. Him, see, Sean, Sean is, like, and I guess this can be, like, a, a term that's not really, like, uh, a pejorative now, I guess, but like uh, Sean fits more in like the alt, alt comedy scene, you know? And like, there's plenty of good alt comedy out there, but like, he's that type of comic and Dan's kind of more, more or less a purist. They, uh, and Sean just had like an idea of like the kind of like the high art to it. And it really wasn't like the environment, to be honest. So like me and Dan were like, all right, like I get it. Like we're putting on shows. There's a profit kind of like aspect to it. So like, let's try to put on, the best shows possible. So that's how me and Dan really started like pick up our, our friendship and get into like our podcast and our shows. 
But yeah, Tumultis was the home of the Colonel Mastodon originally. We used to get into some craziness, <laughs> as you know, uh, Caprio. Saw many, many of that live, and uh, yeah, it got wild. Oh my gosh! Yeah. That's how I got. That's, that's how I got my chops, though, Liam. Like I learned, I learned a lot about comedy from being in these uncomfortable hosting spots. You know, it was, it really like kind of fast tracked my uh, my comedy. I remember a girl, uh, she was heckling and she almost started a fight. And I was, I was like, I know her from somewhere. And it's, it turned out we used to work together. I couldn't even believe it. I was just like, <laughs> wow, that, um, that's not a, that's, that's not how I want. And I didn't talk to her that night, but, uh, yeah, her and, uh, Pat Goldsmith almost got into a fist fight. <laughs> oh, I remember that. I remember that. That was rough, man. That was, uh, he had, he, he handed it to her and two other people she was with. He handled himself. She, she was being awful. She was being absolutely awful. Oh, God. But, uh, you know, yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, can we get details if that's cool, or is that... I don't I don't really remember. I just remember that, like, it was one of those things, like, it's one of those slow burns where, like, you see the problem audience member, and yes. it just kind of, like, keeps building and building, and you're like, eh, all right. And, like, most people just kind of, like, work their set around it. Like, it's me hosting. I tried to, like, de-escalate and stuff like that. But, like, I've seen Pat do this, and, like, other comics that's really good at this. Jimmy Allender, at a certain point, like, if you don't give a fuck, you just go complete scorched earth. And he just, like, he went in on her in a way that, like, he just, he just basically roasted her um, in yes. front of everyone. And it was hilarious. And the only person not having fun was her. And even her friends were, like, had to do that, like, that little act of, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that to you. But we were all having a great time, except for this uh, this piece of shit. <laughs> Classic. And, and after, the show, the show kept going on. The show, it didn't ruin the show, which was great, yeah. That's the thing. Kind of like, like, kind of like when I was in yeah. Philadelphia with uh, Rob. You know Rob Cornblatt, right, Reggie? Oh yeah. Oh, I know Rob. I work with Rob all the time. Yeah. Several people threatened to stab him one night at a uh, show at uh, Bob and Barbara's on uh, South Street, and uh, and they were dressed in uh, in mime. Oh, the guy was dressed as a mime. And let, uh, let me let me let me uh, backtrack <laughs> a little bit. It sounds, it sounds, a it sounds crazy. Right now, we were we were both on a variety show, so there was there was musical comedy. There was like clown kind of comedy, if you could call it. There was there was a mime. There were there was a burlesque birthday. It was basically a burlesque birthday show, variety show. So Rob and I were straight comedians. The host was a straight up comedian, and then a friend of mine is a ukulele comedian. He was there, and a guitar duo. One of the guys looked like uh, Steve Brule was there. Uh, so it's a it's a bunch of different kinds of, but it's all humorous. It's yeah, there's yeah. no there's no serious kind of like element to the show really, uh, and I, my set I went up around the middle of it and I had to get the crowd's attention, but it was fine. It was it was it was actually pretty good. And then when Rob got up there, everybody was drunk, and uh, you know Rob, and uh, he doesn't uh, he doesn't hold back, and he definitely didn't hold back that night, and uh, people got very upset at it, and uh, Rob threatened uh, Rob got threatened, uh, and I was taking pictures of him, and I'm like I should probably stop right now. <laughs> So what he was getting threatened by members of the high hats from the Warriors or something? That guy did look like a high hat, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, great. that's fucking great. God damn. Uh, that's and members great. members of the Lizzies in uh, goth makeup. Uh, one of them did have <laughs> knives too. She did. You know that thing where it's like the knives are steps, and you kind of like you know walk up it like with your feet. Uh, yeah, you ever yeah. see? You ever see something like that? Okay, she had those knives, and those knives came out of that block. So I'm like, they have knives. Oh, wow. And they're pissed. Oh wow! And, and uh, 
no, so Rob goes out for a cigarette, and I'm like, and they were out there already. So I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm going to have to go out there and, like, you know, you know, who knows? Maybe, like, some of the audience members are going to start fighting out there, too. I go out right. there, and Rob's, talk, Rob's talking to one of the audience members, and all of those other, you know, like the mime and the burlesque troupe, they were all against this brick wall, like, kind of, like, angrily looking at Rob. And the audience member, I walked in our conversation, and he was like, you know, I didn't really agree with everything he said, but these were the things I thought were really funny. And they shook hands, and then they, like, you know, uh, smoked outside and everything was fine. And so he made peace with the baseball furies and uh, yes. you guys made it back to Coney Island after all of it. We did. We didn't get, we, we didn't get paid, but we, we, uh, we made it out. Of it. <laughs> That's good. That's always fun. It was so fun. Was... Man. There's pictures of that night too, uh, of, of me and Rob, uh, right up until that happened. So, so that was probably the most wild and intense experience you had, Dan, or, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, uh, at, uh, Elazar's show down in, um, I forgot the exact name of the place, but it was in, uh, it was in, uh, beautiful South Amboy, New Jersey. Uh, not one, but two fist fights, one outside, one inside, both on film, uh, during Justin Flanagan's, uh, epic, uh, it was, he was one of two headliners. Flanagan was a headliner and this guy named Max and, uh, both fights happened during Flanagan. God damn. Was that over at, uh, raise the bar with, uh, no, that was pre raise the bar. Raise the bar. All right. Shit happened at Raise the Bar too. Everything happens at Raise the Bar. It's South Amboy, Dan. That's how it, it works. lives up. It lives up to its name. Tell me about it, man. Jesus Christ, dude. Um, for those who, who don't know, uh, Raise the Bar is uh was an open mic down in South Amboy, hosted by friend of the podcast Elazar Guzman, uh, and it is uh he claims it to be the hardest room in New Jersey. It's he, up there. Well, but then it's also too like I had a discussion with I think or I overheard a discussion with Dan Farley, a uh, fellow friend of the podcast, um, that, uh, that like apparently like any bar that's just horseshoe shaped and the stage is like away from the bar is like the worst setting ever on the face of the planet, and raise the bar is no exception onto this where it's just. It's a horseshoe bar. You're presenting at like the other side of the, the the bar, and everyone there is just like a disgruntled, like Trump supporter who just doesn't want to. Allegedly, comedy. they just wanna they just wanna drink and go home and wait for the beer pong tournament, <laughs> which they have there. I mean, raise, raise by the, the way, Liam. I don't mean to interrupt you or Reggie. I just stirred the sauce. I wanted to give a quick update. The sauce just got stirred. Oh, that was the sound of the ping that, that was in the back. That was that sound, yes. All right. <laughs> now I'm running back up my stairs. Now I'm back in my room. Okay. So I, I'll, say, I'll say this. Like, raise the bar. That is a tough room. Like, I, I've worked it before, but it's not like – it's doable. It's doable. I would say, like, Amen. the hardest room that I've seen to this day is still probably – one second. It's still probably Tim Street Live. It's, I will, without like, doubt, agree with Reggie. I mean, just imagine, well, you're, you're in a Kenilworth sports bar, and, like, all the TVs are on, sometimes with sound, and it's just, <laughs> yeah. like, a bunch of, like, and it's a bunch of comedians of, like, various levels. So, like, those people had no idea, like, the quality and level of show that they were getting week in and week out. You had some of the best comedians in the tri-state area basically, like, trying out their material because of, like, the room that Gordon had, like, built. And 
it was a good like it was a good place to like really like hone your shit because no one gave a fuck about you. <laughs> so it, it was just like <laughs> it's either good or it's not, man. Like that that's really all it came down to. And I, I mean, it was it was definitely a comedy education for me. But I've seen a lot of people break down on that stage. Richard Dweck got his sea legs at 10th Street. <laughs> sea legs. <laughs> now, now, Dan, here's the real question: Has he ever killed at 10th Street? No, he's only there once, and he bombed. Uh, he'll tell you that. My worst bomb ever was at 10th Street. I, I still remember that, and I have the audio of it to this day, man. I'll never forget that feeling. Worst bomb ever. I've had, I've had some, I've had some of my best sets. I've had some of my worst sets. Man, one time I went there, like, I'd done, like, a, uh, a trip down to D.C., like, one Halloween weekend. And then, like, 10th Street was, like, uh, it was a Monday night thing. So, like, I still had my costume in my car, and I did my whole set dressed up as Link from uh, Legend of Zelda. I think I was there that night, like, yeah. I did it in the, I, yeah. Lauren, Lauren Pollard took video, so I have the video somewhere. Like, I did the whole thing as, like, literally as Link, and I just kept, like, making Zelda references, which is, like, the type of shit that you could see there. But you could also see, like, there was a guy named Hat Kid. There was, like... The Dick Tracy guy? People that were just basically... The Dick Tracy guy, who I thought was actually funny. People didn't like it, but I thought... I like the bit. Thank you, Reggie. You're the only other person that likes that guy besides me, I feel like. (laughs) What was the guy's name? It's just such a... We don't know his name! It was something... It was literally something like a Dick Tracy character. Yes, it it had to have been. Like, it might... Like, his name... I don't know what it was, but it might as well have been Harvey Wallbank. Like... (laughs) like, May as well. It was that... That type of uh, fucking character, and and I loved it because I like characters. I'm like, this shit is obscure. No one likes it. No one. No, no, no like one it. liked it. Which is no. my favorite shit. Like I love Monster Ranchers. Is what I'm saying. Lee's <laughs> in love with Monster Ranchers. Fuck well, this yeah! This is actually a great time to talk about one of my other actual like funny talking points, which would be character comics. What um Ooh. you guys have gone to so many open mics and you have done so many shows. Have you run into like a character comic that you at every like, mic? Like <laughs> but like what which ones stand out the most, either in the best way or the worst way? I would say sick Vic, but he is that way off stage. And that shocked me the first time I found it out. I'm like, no, this isn't a character. Yeah. <laughs> then I got that's nervous. A that's a, that's a great answer. Um there's a guy named Carl Huff. Uh, he goes to Scotty's. Uh, he's not like his stage persona. That's a, that's an example right off the top of my head. Oh, Screams sick. a lot. Sick Vic is uh, is is Sick Vic like the the Bigfoot of the Jersey comedy scene? He's a legend in my eyes. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> should should he be though? Like, I'm about to start an Instagram account that's just oh Sick Vic god. pictures. Oh my god! Yeah, For god. those who Good luck with that, man. <laughs> yes. No, I'd be really upset if I had more followers for that than my actual real account. Oh god, the legend. So for those who are listening who don't know, this guy's sick, Vic. Um, there are comics that show up that have like, um, I would say, an unpleasant aura around them. <laughs> sick Vic makes the unpleasant aura afraid of itself. The guy is terrifying. He comes in looking like I'm pretty sure he was the killer based off the movie Maniac from 1980. Coming in doing like psychotic Rodney Dangerfield and like jokes. All one-liners. All one-liners. All about either murdering <laughs> his wife, 
or his alcoholic brother, or how much he loves to kill people. And it's this bald, very dirty, very scary man. (laughs) At one point, he was yelling all of his punchlines to accentuate. It's like, here is the punchline, and it's funny. (laughs) Or the time he would... Sorry. Go ahead, Red. No, no, I was just saying that, like, um, because he shows up to some of my mics in... Yeah, yeah. Thing, he does. He does make me uncomfortable, but also he's really <laughs> consistent, like very yes. consistent. So like, no matter when he shows up, I'm like, you're going up first. And um, once he gets his set in, he's just out. So like, to me, it's like, all right, that's minimum impact. Uh, the man needs the outlet clearly. So like, I'm not gonna stop <laughs> him having it. But uh, but like, I don't know if if he was like one of those guys that like hung around a little bit more. I don't know how I, how I would really take for that to be honest oh my gosh the fact that he goes first every time and i have heard stories about him paying people to go first he paid me free open mics is hysterical i think waldo has a really great story about sick vic where waldo is i think at the co-op and he was first sick vic saw him and was like hey uh could i um uh, I'll pay you ten dollars to go to go first, and Waldo's like, ah, that that sounds kind of light. Uh, how about fifteen? And he goes, uh, you put up a pretty big price. Uh, how about twenty bucks? <laughs> wow, that's not negotiating. <laughs> he, he just like, did a Rodney Dangerfield bit bit to get it first. What the hell? <laughs> he has to go back to killing hookers in New York City. That's what he's got to do. Uh, what Dan? What what was that other? Um, you mentioned something about like a open mic comic that pretends to be like a nineteen forties detective. Yes, but before that, I uh, uh, Liam. I as far as I know, Sick Vic has never been put on an actual show. Should I book Sick Vic when I start I... booking shows? Uh, absolutely not. Okay, that's <laughs> one for no, no Liam. <laughs> Do I what you want, see. Dan. Yeah. I'll put it this way. I, sh- I shouldn't try to, like, stop a guy from, uh, you know, getting his uh, his shine on. I mean, I wouldn't, but, you know, I don't have that relationship with Sick Vic. And to be honest, <laughs> he he's not the worst comic I've ever seen. I've seen worse. So, oh, I mean, far from it. I've seen worse on shows. So, you know what? Fuck it. Book him. Just put him up, put him up early and, like, have enough of a buffer there that if it starts going sideways, you can recover your show. Oh, so, I was going to have him go on right before the headliner and have him do a tight 30. Oh, God damn it, Dan. Cool, man. Have That's 900 that. one-liners. Dan, Dan, you got to stop doing acid. <laughs> I'll do acid with Sick Vic. Fuck it. <laughs> we'll have a... <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if, if Sick Vic on acid was nothing but crowd work? He's like, I don't know what one-liners are. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. I can't think of any, like, character comics. Like, I, I know I've seen it plenty. I'm playing, like that are cringy. I'd say, like, one that I like, um, and it's, like, barely a character, but, like, Natty Bumper Car is a fun comic uh, that I guess is more or less a character, but, like, he's actually, like, funny and good at it. So, like, I, you know, in the, the positive camp, I'll say Natty Bumper Car is someone people should check out. Who's Natty Bumper Car? Is he a... He's, he comes he's on stage a, in a big bumper car outfit. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that, but uh, he's... He's a Jersey comic. Uh, the first time I saw him was at the uh, Stress Factory Comedy Competition, uh, March Madness. 
and he went pretty far, and he was really, really good. Um, that was a few years ago. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, he was on – we had him on an episode of the Mastodon, like, when Dan first started doing those, like, game night live streams during quarantine. And uh, he's, just, he's just a nice guy. So, like, I, I'm trying to think of a bad example of, of a uh, character comic, and I can't. So I'll just give you a good one, and that's Natty Bumper Car. Natty Bumper Car. All right, check out Natty Bumper Car. I would like to throw into the ring uh, our good friend, Uncle Carl Callen. Uh, Carl Callen, also known as Doug Trench, also known as, uh, I forget what the three, what, what's the other one, Dan? Oh, uh, Lloyd. Lloyd. Uh, also, Jeff yes, Lloyd. Our good friend, Mike, down down from Tom's River. He has so many goddamn characters and every time he goes up, he slaughters. He's taken over Long Branch. The guy's hysterical. He's I, on I a current episode that's up right now. Oh, uh, yeah. At the moment, you can check out episode four. He's on it. Now, Dan, I do genuinely want to know about this 1940s open mic guy that you keep mentioning. I'll tell you what I know. I'll tell you what I know. I don't even remember the first time I saw this guy, but I know it was at 10th Street. But I, I have he he's he was a rarity at other mics, so that was like his home yeah. kind of like base. I, I have seen him at the Stress Factory, and possibly like one other mic. Um, yeah. I can't remember the guy's name, but he used to come in a trench coat with like a 1940s style hat that matched the trench coat, and he would do nothing but clean material. That would have like kind of like it would be nothing but hacky punchlines about the forties and and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like li- was, like life in America like, in like nineteen, you know, like wartime. Yeah, it was actually like uh, I know a lot of people at Temp didn't like it. But the problem with Temp was for whatever reason it was the TVs like, were on. Yeah, that, but like people took it extremely seriously in a way that they really shouldn't have, because at the end of the day, it was just an open mic. But, like, uh, it, you know, people were trying to, like, network and mingle in there. And, like, I remember when they saw that guy, because uh, it's his crabs in a bucket mentality, they were kind of shitting on him. But, like, I remember watching him and being like, I, I, I actually enjoyed it. Like, I, I forgot yeah. his whole stick, but, like, he even had, like, the music playing, like, little, like, the, the 40s, like, kind of like jazz. Yes. I believe Gordon played jazz music in the background. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's and so it was cool. like, it was a it was a good set, you know. Like I haven't seen multiple sets because like you do have to see a body of work, but like it was a well enough crafted character. It definitely wouldn't work long term, but like I appreciate it. It reminded me of like an SNL like audition. Like if you ever watch like Phil Hartman's, he has a character that's kind of like that, um, and it reminded me of that. Uh, it was fine. Let's just put it that way. I'm not saying it was the best shit I ever saw, but it, it I've definitely seen worse shit attempt. And that, that was the main thing I wanted to get across the comics at 10th Street. Is that, hey, by the way, we all suck. <laughs> like, trying to shit on, like, Hat Kid isn't really going to get you to be a better comedian when you go. I did that live. Yeah. Hat Kid and I I'm went sure. head to head. Yeah, you guys went at it. It was really weird. He bested me. I'll give him that. He did. He did. You know, Dan, you, you put yourself in these unwinnable situations. Because <laughs> <Is that> Hat Kid? <laughs> Bro. Hat kid, Dweck, like... I should have won. Even, even if... You, no, but see, winning is losing. It's the point, Dan. That is... That's also true. <laughs> so I, I would have yeah. lost no matter what. Dan, you, you go for a lose-lose situation every time. We've talked about it before on the on uh, episode two of the podcast of Dan's obsession with uh, 
one-time open micers that probably have some sort of mental disability as yeah. as Dan's go-to uh <laughs> Well, I don't know Liam, I don't know about all that, but I will tell you a funny story about Hat Kid and how I got back at him. Uh, Hat all Kid right. used to come there with his mom and one night his mom and him ordered a ton of appetizers, but they started arguing as the appetizers were being prepared. <clears throat> Hat Kid or his mom gets fed up and both of them end up leaving and they don't come back. So I'm just sitting, and I'm sitting right near this where all this is happening, I'm, and I'm eyeballing. Finally, the appetizers get, get laid down, and I'm eyeballing them. And I'm like, these people are not coming back. So I ate most of those appetizers, and I offered them to Gordon as I was eating them. <laughs> yeah. Hat, Hat Kid, like, it's almost, it, it is very similar to like a duet situation where, like, the mom is taking them into this environment. They're probably healthy. <laughs> Putting them in a bad situation. You know, like... But then it's like it's a person like you're glad they have the outlet, but like that kid, um, and I'm not I'm not talking too much shit because he really was a kid, so like Literally, I can't yes. hold him to the same standards as like any other comic. But like he he rubbed people the wrong way, and I think people, uh, not necessarily you, Capri. I don't think he went too hard on him, but like I saw people really go in on that kid, and it's just like yeah, hey, God, it was. Like, you're, you're kind of bullying a small child, and all he's really trying to do is like be a comic and like that just makes him just as crazy as the rest of us. So it's like, you know, maybe lay off him a little bit. Yeah. And to his credit, he would wait. He, sometimes he would go up late and he would have to, you know, like he wasn't, <clears throat> he wasn't like outside and have to call him in or anything. As far as I remember. Yeah. Uh, and he took a lot of shit at the stress factor too, when, man. Yeah. I mean, when it came to comedy, he was, he was more or less professional. Like his relationship with his mom wasn't great. Um, no, it's <laughs> hence that appetizer all falling out. Yeah, but like, I don't know. That that's a. Uh, I mean, you guys know this about me. I, I try to be fair, maybe a little too much with people, and like, uh, I can make a lot of excuses for uh, behavior. Um, and to me, Hat Kid wasn't wasn't that bad. I, I say this way too much. I, I've seen worse. I've seen worse, which is oh hell yeah. Like, that, I, that, I wish Hat Kid would pop in. Hat Kid, if you're listening somehow to the podcast, uh, uh, podcast, podcast, I miss you and I want to kiss your hat. There, I said it. I think it would be yeah. easier if you used his actual name, Dan. But I don't. I don't know his real name. They're just like <laughs> the Tracy guy. I don't know. I don't know his name. I didn't know Mike's name. For, I thought it was Carl. <laughs> I thought his name was Carl. That's funny. Oh man. Oh man. That's great. Uh, so, so, uh, the so, mayor of New Brunswick, that was another guy. I remember, uh, it was a character. Oh man. I've, I've heard stories. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, there, there's plenty of people that made me uncomfortable throughout my comedy career. Uh, Winstein's an example. <laughs> Winstein. Yes. Ooh. Shout out. <laughs> friend, friend of the podcast, Winstein. <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm uh, not. I'm not co-signing that statement. <laughs> Winstein saw me at my bo at my lowest levels of drinking that one night. <laughs> Winstein's one of those guys that like, hey, he's okay, but like he's he's definitely like, like a lot of us, he he's definitely got his demons to say the least. So um, again, I, I'm ever the politician. <laughs> I'll never say anything too uh, too incendiary about someone, but like he he's a. Uh, He's a character, and uh, he definitely has made me nervous in the past. So he's, he's one of those guys I keep an eyeball on. 
March Madness winner, Winstein Armstrong. Congratulations to him for true? winning that one year. That is absolutely not true. <laughs> You're really good at that. You're really good at saying shit that I know isn't true, and I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> You're like, no, that's <laughs> that's how I make jokes work sometimes. Like, this joke shouldn't have worked. Ah, so I, I just said it. I just said it as seriously as I possibly could. Well, the, the great thing about like open mics, and it's actually the worst thing about open mics, is that even like the person that really like, if you again, I said it's a body of work. If you look at um. His stuff over time, I've seen him, like, implode and go absolutely nuts on people. But I've also seen him, like, succeed. And, like, I've seen him have a good set. Oh, even though oh, I, yeah. know, I know that, like, he can be very volatile. But, like, everyone can pull out their ass a little bit from time to time. It's just about that consistency. And uh, Hat Kid, same thing. Like, Hat Kid, more or less, he's very unpolished. But, like, if he stuck with it, he probably could have figured it out. Oh, yeah. there, there's definitely worse comics in the world. Do, do, do either of you want to recount the uh, the Winstein story? Dan, do you want to count the uh, um, Winstein get banned at Stress Factory story? Or uh... <laughs> Jay-Z, the, uh, the big lift uh, uh, inward. Um, yes. Yeah. Winstein, <laughs> Winstein went on stage, and uh, for whatever reason, he thought it would be a good idea to like remix Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> Classic. And uh, he it was... And, uh, now, for... This doesn't make it any better, which is what we're really uh, a great statement on racism. This doesn't make it any better. Winstein is black, but uh, in that moment, he just goes on stage and he just starts doing this horrendous song, uh, basically entitled Jay Z, the Big Lip, uh, uh, N Word. And he pulled no punches on that N Word. Um, and it was weird. It was strange. There was actual music accompaniment. Um, and it was just one of those things where I was like, I, I couldn't believe what I saw. Um, and Stress Factory knew at that point that they couldn't have neither, Reggie, neither could the 13 people that walked out and the one lady that stayed till the very end to yell in Winstein's face, which uh, she was yeah. accompanied by Gordon and also Mark, the uh, the current um, yeah. manager of the Stress Factory at the time. We're all like in a trident around Winstein. I'll never forget that. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he went a little too far at the time, but like a Stress Factory band doesn't really stick. Uh, I imagine. Nope, he was back in nine I, months. I, I definitely saw him there. <laughs> You know, if you wait about a month, you can come back. No one's really paying that. He could have waited one month. <laughs> Seriously. Look, Gordon's been banned from the stress factory. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Get those the hell out of here. Like, are you serious? No, those are more like business disputes because, like, he's had some, uh, you know, this probably isn't my story to tell, but fuck it, I'll say it. Um, I think he's worked it out more or less, but, like, he's had disputes about payment and stuff like that at the stress factory before. So, like, um, you know, he's been banned. For saying huh. things about the Soul Factory. But yeah, I mean, who hasn't? <laughs> I guess is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> Dan, that's because you're not adventurous enough to get banned. No, yeah, no, I said I said something really bad about Allie May's hat one night. And I uh, I think about that today. And I'm like, nah, you know what? I still would have said it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Allie May. Right, Allie May, who's another comic that. Uh, I think got got a little bit of a wall unfair treatment from time to time. Um, let's just say, uh, you know, we don't have to go too into it, but she has a connection with the Stress Factory, and oh, I know, like she has, a, yeah, yeah, and she has a pretty good relationship with uh, Bonnie McFarlane and stuff like that. And I think when people see that stuff, they assume that like there's an in or like you know they're taking a shortcut. But like Ali May is a uh, 
is a real comic. Like she's a solid, yeah. solid comedian. I've I've love seen her. her. I've seen her kill. Like, she's awesome. Allie oh, awesome. she she had such a wild life that like just hearing her talk about it sometimes is just like it's very freeing for me because I'm just like wow I can't believe she's been through all this and she's a, she's a class act so uh, you know uh, shout out to Allie May as well she she's dope as hell shout out friend of the podcast Allie May shout out I'll agree to that too because from what I was talking about till now definite growth yeah. Well, I, I'll do this because I'm probably going to have to run relatively soon. But uh, We're if you had to pick, then, yeah. what's up between the between Monster Ranchers, Digimon, and Pokemon? <laughs> what what's what's your favorite Mon? I'm sticking with Monster Rancher. But I mean, not even not the the thing, but like Monster from the series. Oh, oh, uh, there was I think it was like a dragon made out of steel in uh, Monster Rancher. I, I I always liked that. Yeah, that definitely exists in some capacity. Um. I, I think I was a big fan of the Garurumon uh, character in Digimon. Um, you had like like War Garurumon and stuff like that. Like it, it was a solid character. It was basically just a wolf. <laughs> I I take I take that for Digimon. Uh, I I personally identify with Gengar on a personal level, so uh, nice. I'm gonna go with Gengar because Gengar is my boy. <laughs> I, I I'd like to give a, Liam. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I'd like to give a quick uh, uh, shout out. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Jeffrey Epstein Mon. That was my favorite uh, Monster Ranger. Yeah, yeah. He, he was certainly a Monster <laughs> Rancher. He certainly he was a Monster that. Rancher. Wow. Yes, he, he was a Monster Ranger. Wow. Wow. Him, Jeffrey him Epstein. Is, Jeffrey Rancher. Epstein. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein Mon. Jeffrey Epstein. Wow. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> I don't even want to know what CD you got put in the Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> no, I just thought him I just on thought his private like, island being a true monster yeah. No, he got a monster body, but he still has the same exact head. Oh, it's God. Pro- probably because of all his political connections. It's probably the national anthem to a couple of countries. Uh, <laughs> you know, God save the queen, you know, a little hail to the chief. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. There's some of that on that, uh, that CD. They, they they open up they open up the 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 monster ranch and they're like how are we gonna breed the monster and it's like Mr Epstein we'll see you now <laughs> you have to go into a massage yeah. parlor and then out comes a monster so, so Jeffrey Epstein is like the Giovanni from Team Rocket that's what you're saying yeah I, I am gonna I'm gonna put my cards on the table on that <laughs> he's got the same suit oh my god oh and my the god. Back Giovanni there. holy wow god. wow Shit. I did not expect this conversation today. This <laughs> is, I, I thank you for that. We, you're <laughs> quite welcome. You're quite welcome. And as for this, we're going to call this the end of the Cur- uh not the Colonel Mastodon Power Hour. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Uh, this is episode five of the Foul Housemates podcast. Of course, at the end, as always, Reggie. For all the heart in the world and the, 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 I don't know where this sentence is going. My brain's having a fart. Reggie, plug your shit. Yeah, um, I'm Reggie Parker. You can find me at RP Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I got a lot of podcasts in the fire right now. You've got the Colonel Master on Power Hour. You've got Retro versus Remake, where I like uh, look at old movies and then the remakes and we talk about them, compare. And I got another one in the books right now that I'm working on called Reality Rewind. We haven't released episodes yet, but we're literally going back and watching 
old reality TV and like talking about them. And uh, let me tell you something: some of this stuff hasn't aged well. There's a lot of uh, reality <laughs> <laughs> TV. Let's put it that way. Oh, that sounds lit! Oh my gosh, do you have mm-hmm. guests on that show? Because I would love to be on it at some. Not point. yet, but uh, I think we can work that in. So, like right now, we yeah, Liam was on the Road Rules. Oh hell yeah! yeah. Liam was, was a road ruler. I was a road ruler. I, I like that I, I, was idea. A, I was a fan of Next. Hit me up with that. Uh, hit me Ooh. up with that MTV block of real world road rules. Gross. Control. <laughs> 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 Liam, Liam and Richard Black were tag team on Parental Control. Parental That's control. wild, dude. Oh, God. That's wild. Oh my gosh, Reggie! Thank you so much for being on the show. I am, of course. Liam Wolf. You can follow me at WolfMediaCom. Uh, you could also follow me on Wolf Media Comedy on YouTube. Real Ultra Liam on Twitter. Uh, at some point, a Foul Housemates YouTube channel and Twitter is in the works. Um, that is, I think, all the spots that you can find me at that's relevant to me. Dan. Thanks for being on the podcast, Reggie. Really, uh, really happy to have you on, man. And uh, and shout out, uh, shout out Reggie's mic, man. Goddamn New Brunswick. I can't wait uh, to go back to that, man. The one of one the day, greatest man. open one mics day. out there. I love it. Uh, I appreciate that, man. Now, look, what makes a good open mic is, you know, the attendance. Like guys like you coming and like really helping build out that scene has been has been huge for me. It was definitely worth uh, worth uh, doing, and I'm definitely going to bring it back uh, in some capacity as soon as we kind of have the all clear. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Which is allegedly sooner rather than later, apparently. So hopefully in the near future. We'll see, boys. Fingers crossed. This has been Foul Housemates, Episode 5, signing out.